0: Lord's really been speaking to me about <clears throat> this whole thing of prayer and, and what God is doing in the midst of all the stuff that's happened over the last year. One of the things is he wants to build his house of prayer. Now, I'm not talking about a physical structure, although it includes physical structures. I'm talking about this house of prayer. You know... Um, A lot of people have been asking, Lord, why, what is going on and why are all these things happening over the last year or so? And the reasons for the cleansing, the reasons of the season of cleansing we're in. And, and there is judgment going on in our midst. Now, I look at judgment. I don't have any problem at all with saying God is a God of judgment. And he judges us. He starts in the house of God. He judges our works. He judges our motives and our actions. And why is all this stuff going on? We can look at things going on in the world and draw conclusions. And, but he's basically, he's telling us, get ready. Get ready. I believe that we, this is just my belief, I believe that we've entered into the Matthew 24, 8, the beginning of birth pains. I believe we've entered into that season. And you know, I really, God has been trying to get the attention of his bride well, ever since Adam. (laughs) And Yeshua came so that he would live a life poured out so that our attention would be drawn to who God is. In 2001, you all remember 9-11. And I really believe that there was a shaking that took place. And and I really believe God wanted to, to seize that moment and the bride, the church, the ecclesia, needed to seize that moment. And it lasted for about 10 days, two weeks. And we lost that moment. And we went on as if life just continues on. But I think where we're at now... We can't just move on without understanding what God is doing at this moment in history right now. He's doing a lot of things, but one of the things is, is he's he wants to see his house of prayer built once again. Anything of the kingdom that can be done has to be birthed out of prayer Intercession, corporately, personally, and I'm gonna bring that personally. And in, in um, the Lord, really put it on my heart many years ago to start a prayer. I'm not a prayer one. Of, I, I didn't. I never saw myself as a prayer warrior. But the Lord put it on my heart to start a prayer group for men, and specifically in the church that I was in. This is in the '80s. And to pray for the ministries of the church and missionaries overseas. I'd never been overseas on a mission trip, and and I put the call out to men, and everybody said yes. We're there. We're going to be there. We decided to do it before work, you know, so we would like meet at six thirty in the morning, and then we would go till about eight, and then everybody would go off to their to their jobs. And the first day that we did that, twenty men showed up. Twenty five men showed up. And I'm like, yes, God, this is awesome. A move of prayer starting in our church. And by the end of the week, there was three of us. Anybody ever experience those kinds of prayer meetings? And, you know, I didn't get really discouraged. And there would be others that would join us occasionally and stuff, but... The Lord really began to just say, you know what, it's not about getting the the multitudes and the majority. It's just about a heart of prayer. And so we began faithfully Monday through Friday. We would gather in that in the church before work and we would pray, pray for whatever is going on, pray for the ministries of the church, pray for missionaries. And this is one thing I found because my own experience is that when you commit yourself to intercession, don't be surprised if you become an answer to your own prayer. The Lord used that time to launch Millie and I into ministry that we've been in now for the last almost 33 years. So the first thing that God is doing during this shaking, and I want us to hear this, is God is wanting to build his house of prayer in us. We have seminars on prayer. We have teachings, wonderful teachings and messages on prayer. But God says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Secondly, I believe that God is is restoring intimacy with him, that that would need to be prioritized over ministry to people. Does that make sense? He desires intimacy over ministry to people. I'm not saying it's an either or, it's a both and. But first, it starts with a desire to be in his presence. That's what I just, the older I get, the more I just want to sit in his presence. And I don't know, I'm saying, am I, am I getting lazy? I don't think it's a lazy thing. It's just, I, watch it. I just want to be in his presence. And when we desire if nothing more to be in his presence, out of that being in his presence, then we're able to minister to people in a more effective level. So he's calling his bride, his ecclesia, to intimacy with him. And intimacy to the point of encounter. I've been hearing a lot, and so have you, prophetic words, and I love the prophet. I love the prophetic, and I, I will never despise the prophetic. I want the prophetic. And I'm hearing God's gonna do this, God's gonna do that, and I believe he is, but I want God to do it. <laughs> Anybody here say, yeah, God. You know, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've believed, and we've prayed again, and we've fasted again, and we've believed again. But Lord, you move, just move. Anybody else feel the same way? It's going to be birthed out of that place of intimacy and and a desire for encounter. Not just to bring our laundry list of needs to God and say, God, I have this, and this is an important need. And I'm going to say, it's not. But he wants us to have an encounter with him. You know, I was thinking about this, is is when I got saved over 40 years ago, and I'm this Jewish kid, didn't know anything about Jesus. As a matter of fact, my mindset is Jews and Jesus don't mix. But I ended up in this church through my wife who prayed for me, and her mom prayed me into the kingdom, and, and we're there, and I remember the day I had an encounter with Jesus. I didn't know him as Yeshua. I had an encounter that changed my life. And too many of us are in congregations and churches and we have great theology but we've missed the encounter part of it we've missed meeting with god and having him reveal himself and that's what happened to me and changed my life we need to have those that place of intimacy where encounter takes place experiences his presence and to a greater degree than any than than any other time that's why i just loved ling- lingering in the presence of worship today Thirdly, I believe that the Lord is, is restoring a, bringing back the fear of the Lord again to his bride. God's become our buddy over the last couple of decades. He's our friend, and he is our friend. But he's a holy God. And when we've become too familiar We lose that sense of the fear of the Lord. And I don't mean fear of, stay away from me, God, but a fear a reverence of his holiness. Where we come to a point in our lives where we no longer tolerate sin in our lives, we no longer tolerate apathy and mediocrity, there's become kind of a boredom with God. I'm not saying God is boring at all, but there's kind of like, We don't have an expectation of God doing something incredible. we just like, okay, I want to hear a good teaching. Oh, the worship was awesome today. And then we go, ho-hum, off to what we were before. We've become bored in God, and God is saying, my bride should never be bored. We should have that same heart that... Isaiah, when he went into the temple... And I'm sure he was struggling with his issues and he saw God high and lifted up. His train filled a temple, smoke and all. And he was like speechless. He had an encounter with God. He wasn't bored with God anymore. And then he realized, wow, you know, God, I'm a man of unclean lips and my people, they're pretty rude too. I know I lived in Israel. They're rude. Okay. He knew what he was talking about. He knew of what he was talking about. And God sent an angel and touched his lips and cleansed his lips. And then God says, who am I going to send? And of course, his response was, Hineni, here am I. God wants to restore that fear, that reverence of him, of Adonai, back in our hearts and into the congregations, into the churches again. I believe he's raising up a new spirit Breed, a new breed of spiritual warrior being raised up today. And we are that spiritual warriors. Whether you know it or not, we were talking about this and praying about this this morning in our prayer time, is that it's not a choice whether you want to enter into the warfare. You might think it's a choice. We are born into warfare. I should say we're born again. Well, actually, we're born the first time in warfare. And then we're born again, and, and guess what? We're born into warfare. The war's been won, but we're still called to do battle into a deeper level, more intense level than ever before. All you got to do is look around and see what's going on. I, I, I can't watch the news anymore without going, this is, this is a spirit of stupid has taken over. A spirit of stupid has taken over. It's entrenched itself. But what are we going to do about it? We need to see that you know what's going on in Washington D.C. What's going on right here? What, well, Wendy? Where is Wendy? Where is she? She's always hiding back there. You're talking about Washington State. They've, they've. Here. I know. I see you. No, it's, it's here, in Colorado. Colorado. here in Colorado. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A ministry of truth is being established. That sounds scary, doesn't it? That sounds scary, doesn't it? Yeah. Ministry of truth. It sounds like Pravda, the Soviet. Soviet Union, or something. Guys, and we can go and we can say, Wow, this is so bad, this is so bad, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad. But God is calling us to enter into the battle. These are spiritual principalities that we're dealing with, and God wants us to learn how to deal with that in the spirit realm. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Y'all know that. We hear that all the time. That person, that person on the left or that person on the right is not my enemy, but there is a spiritual dimension that we're missing. And warfare, spiritual warfare, helps us to understand what the spiritual dimension is, and we get strategies so we know how to battle in that area. The breed of warrior that God is calling will be convinced that the greatest privilege is to make intercession for the Lord. We're going to be talking about that a lot over the next weeks that when we come to the point where we believe that the greatest privilege that I have as a believer is to be an in intercession for the Lord into the, with the Lord that is what intercession is all about that's a great privilege i will read some scriptures that go along with that in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 therefore first of all i urge that requests prayers intercessions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people So Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, first of all, pray, intercede, requests on behalf of all people, all leaders, for kings and all who are in authority, so we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and respectfulness. First of all, be on your knees, Timothy, and be in prayer. God is saying that to us today, to his ecclesia. First of all, be in prayer, intercession for all. Pray for our leaders. And that, to me, you know what? It's been hard for me in the last few months to pray for my leaders. I'll be honest, I don't really like my leaders. And God doesn't say anywhere in the scriptures that you have to like them. Does he, can't I mean, I don't think he does. Isaiah 53, 12. Our picture, actually, it's, it's speaking about Yeshua. For he bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. This is our example. Yeshua is our example. He bore our sins, and yet he still he intercedes for us. He's still interceding for us. He's our example, and if he's doing it, we should be doing it. And I love this, in Paul, what Paul writes in Ephesians 6.18. And if you look at the verses before that, it's talking about put on the armor of God, put on the, the, right, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shoes shod with the, the um, gospel of peace, and take up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, right? And then he says in verse 18, pray in the ruach, pray in the spirit on every occasion, With all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests, with this in mind, keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all the Kedoshim. That's why it is so important for us to be in that place of his presence. I want to pray what's on God's heart. I have things I need to pray for. I'm praying for my grandkids all the time. My grandson, Michael, drives. I pray, and I intercede because it's... (laughs) he's watching, I'm glad he's watching. But if he's not, no. but you know what I mean? But also, I want to be in that place where I'm hearing from the Ruach HaKodesh. I'm hearing from God in my own life, or what he's speaking to me. And we see an example in the, in the Tanakh, in the Torah, where, where Moses, he's, he, he prayed for people all the time. And, and in Numbers chapter 12, 13, he says, So Moses cried out to Adonai, saying, Oh God, heal her now. He acted as an intercessor for a woman who was sick. And, and we see this all over the scriptures. God has called us to be intercessors. And it's a calling that all of us have. I used to think intercessors, and please don't be offended, used to be a bunch of old ladies sitting kneecap to kneecap in a room, somewhere you know, in the basement of the church praying together. That's what intercessors did. That is so not true. God has called us to be intercessors, each and every one of us. It's a calling from God, Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, partners in a heavenly calling. See, we're all partners in a heavenly calling, brothers and sisters. Take notice of Yeshua, the emissary, and Kohen Gadol, the high priest, we affirm. So what is a high priest? What did the high priest do? For who? So who did he stand between? The children of Israel and God. And so Yeshua is the high, high, high priest. And yet we are partners with him in that calling to be intercessors. Isn't that amazing? The emphasis needs to be on developing that secret place. When God called Millie and I to lead, even before we moved to Denver, Colorado, he said, create a place for my presence. And and that's been our heart's desires, to create a place for his presence, develop a secret place, not just public, That's something we do too, but first develop that secret place of consecration to him. It's a ministry of unceasing day and night intercession. Matter of fact, we sang that this morning. On your walls, old Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, um, Isaiah 62, 6. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have set watchmen, I have set watchmen. On your walls, O oh Jerusalem, I have set watchmen on your walls, day or night. Day and night. There you go. But well, gosh, you guys are like, uh, da, 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 da. day and night, all day. They will never hold their peace. You who remind the Lord Adonai, Take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Hallelujah. Intercession. Unceasing. Day and night prayer. I love the 24-7 ministry. Anybody been to Kansas City IHOP? If you've never been there, I just encourage you to go there. You know, it's just a place of unceasing. How long has it been going on? 20 years? 30? Yeah. And um, I was talking to one of the, the worship leaders a couple of weeks ago. His name is Justin Rizzo. Anybody ever heard of Justin Rizzo? Yeah. And um, he has been, he went to house of prayer. I'm kind of veering off, but this is a rabbit trail. but it's okay. Hang with me. He went to House of Prayer for um, a seminar, a three-day seminar, and he hasn't left. It's been 17 years, and he's a worshiper, and he's and he like we would take, I think he said something about the, the four to seven or six to, to nine in the morning watch. For all these years, I forget what time, you know, being in the Navy, I know what the mid-watch is. I know what a mid-watch is. You don't want to have the mid-watch. You know, it's like midnight to four in the morning you know, or the morning watch from 4 to 8 in the morning. But he would do that, worship. That's what I mean. This is a a movement that God has right now. This is from his throne room. And and now I'm not saying that we all need to be part of a 24-7 movement, but understand the importance that God has for praying right now in intercession. Read this quote by A.W. Tozer. I remember reading this, one of his books so many years ago, and it just took hold in my heart. This quote, what would it be like if the four living creatures filled American pulpits every Sunday or Shabbat? He didn't say Shabbat, I'm saying Shabbat. What would they talk about? They are the living creatures who have eyes in front and in back and who continually stand before the throne and behold the person of Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus. I believe they would constantly and consistently testify to what Jesus is really like. They would not desire to speak of anything else. Oh God, let that be our passion. Place of intercession is a place of travail that will mark the true warriors of this day. I love to watch my wife pray and intercede and sometimes she'll get up before I do and she'll just and she'll come out and she'll just start Weeping, then that, lately the Lord's been doing that a lot, waking you up and probably praying for me, weeping for me, but this place of travail, I'm a guy, I don't, there's, what are you laughing about back here? You know that. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm not a guy who cries a whole lot, but I just, being in his presence is just, there's just something about that. And it's okay to tra- 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 travail and pull point where we don't even have any words anymore. We're just praying in the spirit. We're just praying in, in, our, in our heavenly language because we don't even have any words anymore. God is calling us to do that. To be praying for our families, to be praying for our nations, our cities, our state. Because this is this is where it's gonna start. He's in that place of prayer. The early Kehilah, the New Testament, Kehilah, the New Testament Ecclesia church was birthed out of corporate prayer times. Turn to Acts chapter two. You don't have to turn, you can just look up at the top. Acts chapter two, one through four. When the day of Shavuot had come, Shavuot is is the Pentecost. The day of Shavuot had come, they were all together in one place. What were they doing? Arguing, fighting, eating. No, they were there. They were probably doing that too, but they were praying. God said, Yeshua said to them, go to Jerusalem and wait till the promise of the Father comes. So they were In prayer, together, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues like fire spread out, appeared to them and settled on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and began to speak in other tongues as the Ruach enabled them to speak out. In verse 42, they were devoting themselves to the teaching of the emissaries and to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayers. And if you go down to verse 1, chapter 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the time of prayer. This was a regular part of their lives. And they would go to the temple in Jerusalem. I thought, regular times of prayer. This should be a mark of our lives too. This quote by Le- Leonard Ravenhill. Sunday morning church attendance shows how popular the church is. Now, this is coming from a Christian perspective, so understand that. Sunday night shows how popular the preacher is. Attendance at prayer meetings shows how popular God is. This is where he's calling us to be, is in that place of his presence on our knees in a quiet place with him. Corporate and individual prayer is what will birth the next move of God. I believe with all that's going on and all the shaking, I believe that there is going to be a revival. And part of that revival is going to be the, not a part of it, a big part of it is the church being awakened. The church has been asleep. As a Messianic Jew, I know that much of the church has been asleep in regards to God's promises to Israel. And God is awakening his bride, his church right now. So the revival is going to begin with this. And I believe there's going to be an end days revival. There's going to be persecution too. I'm absolutely convinced they're going to come up together. Persecution, but yet there's going to be revival. People are going to be saved and healed and delivered. I'll never forget this quote by Joy Dawson when we were in our YWAM days and learning how to pray and intercede. I never really, you know, learning to hear the voice of God, we need to do a whole new teaching. Not a whole new teaching, but reinforced teaching on hearing the voice of God. God is still speaking to us. Do you know that? He is speaking all the time. The problem is not God not speaking. The problem is are we hearing what God is saying? But this is what she said. Out of intercession comes the will of God for us. Simple quote. You want to know what God's will is? How many of you want to know what God's will is? Two. Three. No, all of us want to know what God's will is, be in that place of intercession. It's like when I began to pray and God sent me to Argentina, and I went and I saw a revival that was taking place. And a revival just didn't start right then. It was 1986. They had been praying for revival for years, for years. And then we went to these revival meetings with this guy named Carlos Anacondia, and as he's preaching and people are getting saved and delivered, there's there's like dozens and dozens of people underneath the stage praying as he's preaching. Anything, any revival has to start in that place of intercession and prayer. You're not going to be, you know, uh, you know, well known in the community. Oh, he's a great prayer. You know, you may not. Don't be seeking that, but you're going to be. Seeking the king of kings, and that's what's more important than that. We cannot long for his glory, and I want His—I his, want more of his kavod. I want his kavod more and more. You cannot long for his glory and revival and not want to pray. It doesn't just happen in a vacuum. So speaking of this, you know, in our families, how many of us, and I'm going, to, I'm going to bring this, as the um, press secretary famously says, I'm going to circle back. Okay. <laughs> I'm on a roll today, but I've only got a few minutes. How many of us have children, grandchildren, who've kind of walked away from their faith? Yeah, quite a few. And, um, and, and they grew up in church. They grew up in congregation. They grew up, you brought them, and they went to everything. They were in group, and, you, and then they've kind of walked away. And I believe that revival, and, and it's going to start with our grandsons and our, and our granddaughters and our sons and daughters being raised from a spiritual death. And I want to read some scriptures from, um, where is that? Well, I'll get there in a second. In 1 Kings 17, this is a story, a familiar story. Starting in verse 17, Elijah goes into a town and he stays with a widow. You know the story. And miracle of the oil and, the, and, and so starting in verse 17. After these things, it came to pass that the son of the woman... The mistress of the house fell sick, and his sickness was getting much worse until he had no breath left in him. He died. So, so she said to Elijah, "What do I have to do with you, the man of God? Have you come to me to remind me of my sin and kill my son?" Could you imagine the heartache that she must have been experiencing at that time? Her son had died. He said to her, "Give me your son." Then he took her from her arms. He took him from her arms carried him up to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed he cried out to adonai and said adonai my god have you brought me such brought such evil even on the widow with whom i am staying by causing her son to die then he stretched himself upon the child three times he cried out to adonai and said adonai my god please let this child's soul come back into his body. Adonai listened to the cry of Elijah, so the soul of the child came back into his body, and he was revived. Then Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, see, your son is alive. What a powerful, powerful story. And this is something that we need to understand. This is the first instance in Scripture of somebody being raised from the dead. We need to take account. Revelation comes. There's a principle of firsts. When the first time something, a person or event is mentioned in the scriptures, you better know, you better really dig into that. Elijah was staying where? It says in an upper room. He had his quarters up in an upper room. That was his place place of of presence with the Lord. That was the place of, of meeting with the Lord. His prayer closet, so to speak in the upper room. The son was downstairs when he died. He went down there, took the son. He didn't just pray for him down there. He took him back up to the place of prayer because he knew, he knew that anything, any revival, restoration, any resurrection from the dead had to begin in a place of prayer. And I really believe this is a message for us. If we've got prodigals, we've got kids that walked away, run away, or they're just playing games right now. You know how teenagers kind of get. You know they try to test everything out. If we've got those prodigals, you take them continuously and intentionally into the place of place of prayer. My, you got. You know what I mean. You take them into that place of prayer and ask God to raise them from the dead. I believe if He can do that physically. With that widow's son, he can do that with our sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters. Into that place of prayer. Start in your families. The house that God is building will become a place of encounter. We'll see the as we're in that place, we're going to see the standard of righteousness, the plumb line of God being raised up. And this scripture, I've got a couple more scriptures, and then we'll close. In Ezekiel 44, I've been looking at this and reading this, and, and, and God is speaking to the prophet about those who minister before the Lord. So Ezekiel 44:15, 15, he says, So the Levitical Kohanim, the sons of Zadok, Zedok, who kept charge of my sanctuary, when ben, Bnei Israel wandered from me, so there were some faithful ministers who kept charge of the sanctuary, of the Mishkan, the, temp- the tabernacle. He said, "They will stand before me to offer me the fat of the blood. It is a declaration of Adonai. So those who stayed in the presence of the Lord, when everybody else rebelled against God, all the other children of God of Israel rebelled against God, But these sons of Zadok, they stayed and they ministered before the presence of the Lord. And then in verse 23, it says, They will teach my people the difference between the holy and the common and explain to them the difference between the unclean and the clean. Those who minister to the Lord as a priority in his presence will teach others to discern holy from profane, righteous from unrighteous, being in that place of his presence. So let me bring this to a conclusion here. The highest priority is connecting with God in that secret place. The highest priority for us is is for us to be connected with God. And it's not just talking to pastors and ministers and and the prophets. It's talking about all of us. Know you not that you're a, A holy people, a chosen people, kingdom of priests, all of us are. That's for all of us now. So we have that priority to be in that place of connecting with him. Mike Bickle says, the greatest disease in church leadership today is leaders who have no time for prayerful, long, and loving meditation of the word of God and a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Folks, I really believe all the shaking going on. God is saying, come back to me. Remember at the beginning of the year, I said, he's saying, come back. Come, ba- come out, first of all. Come out, come back. Then you can go forth. All right, we're closing up here. So will not you stand with me? I just want to bring things to a close here. Some of you might be saying, well, what do I get out of this? If I have to spend more time, have to spend more time. You want me to spend more time in prayer before what's my reward? Well, let me remind you when the tribes of Israel when they were getting ready to go into Canaan, they were all given an inheritance, a portion of land. God said Zebulun Issachar, Judah, this is your portion of land. And I can take you to Israel right now and show you where their portion of land is. But there is one group of people he did not give a portion of land to. Levites. Joshua 13, verse 33 says, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. Poor guys, they don't get anything. They don't get anything. Adonai, God of Israel, is their inheritance. As he had spoken to them. Their inheritance is God himself. Deuteronomy 18, verses 1 and 2. The Levitical Kohanim. All the tribe of Levi are to have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They are to eat the offerings made to Adonai by fire as an inheritance. They will have no inheritance among their brothers. Adonai is their inheritance, just as he promised them. What do you want? You want a bunch of stuff? Or do you just want God in your life more than anything else? I think the promise to the Levites is for us today. I want to finish by reading these scriptures over us in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah also known as uh, what was his name, his nickname? The weeping prophet. He he's somebody who knew how to travail and weep and man, talk about a man who was he was asked to do some crazy stuff too, wasn't he? I think he was. It was Jeremiah who's asked to do some crazy stuff as symbols of intercession for his people. Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says Adonai, What fault did your fathers find in me that They strayed so far from me. They walked after worthless things, becoming worthless themselves. What are we chasing after? They did not ask, where is Adonai, who brought us up from the land of Egypt and led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, through a land of drought and distress, through a land where no one travels, where no one lives yet. Yet, I brought you into a fertile land to eat of its fruit and goodness. When you came, you defiled my land. You made my heritage an abomination. The Kohanim did not ask, where is Aronai? The Torah experts did not know me. The shepherds rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied prophesied by Baal and went after unprofitable things. Therefore, I will plead with you again. It is a declaration of Adonai. It's a declaration of the Lord. I will contend with them. I will contend with your children's children. God speaks to Jeremiah and there's a plea. Where are the shepherds, the prophets, the people? I gave you a prosperous land and you've decided to worship other things. What God is saying today to us is return to me. Return to me. He is cleansing us. He's preparing his bride right now for his glory to be imparted into us. So we can either kick at this, the judgments and the cleansings that's coming upon us. Oh, we don't like this. I hate this. I hate this where we can say, God, I surrender, I I allow you to cleanse my heart, that my actions would again be righteous to you. So, Father, we just stand today before you and say, Lord, we declare ourselves partners with you, and such a privilege it is to intercede with you on behalf of our nation, our families, to stand between them and you. Lord, and I pray that each and every one of us in this room and those who are watching live streaming, Lord, as we surrender ourselves to you. Lord, that you would build your temple of prayer in us, Lord God. It's not about a structure, it's not about a building, a wonderful beautiful building in Jerusalem. It's a talk about He says, "Know ye not that you are the temple" of the Ruach HaKodesh, and he lives in you. And because Yeshua is making intercession for us constantly, he asks us to do the same. He's our example. So, Father, I pray that you would mantle us with a heart of prayer and intercession. Lord, we desire to see harvest. Lord, you said, look and see. The fields are white for harvest. And, Lord, we say, Hineni, we're here, Lord God. And he says, Pray for the workers. Pray, pray the Lord of the harvest. And so, Lord, we stand as those prayer warriors today. And we say, Lord, let me be an answer to my own prayer. Lord, raise up Orchaim as a house of prayer. Raise up the Patricias and the Marys and the Loras and the Davids and the Brent's and the Kim's and the Peters to be houses of prayer, Lord God. Lord, that we would have a a passion and an intentionality to pray like we've never prayed before for our families, for this city, for this state, for this nation, and also for your purposes in Israel. So, Lord, we say hineni to you as your sons and daughters. Build in us a house of prayer. Build in us a house of prayer in these days. B'shem Yeshua HaMashim. Amen, amen, amen.